Okay. Beep, beep, your electric sheep. Welcome to episode 32. Hang on. Whoa, 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 wait. Oh, yeah. You don't even like ASMR. No, but I do like a can of Coke. Mm. Mm. Hello and welcome to Fuck Me Dead, the podcast that brings you the stories from Australia and its buddies that just make you say, fuck me dead. I'm CJ. I'm Amanda and that sounded a little defeated. I am defeated. You're defeated? defeated. What do you mean you're defeated? Coronavirus finally came for me. It took my beard. Oh. (laughs) I was like, it came for you. I feel like I should know about this since we live in the same house. No, I've been growing a beard since (laughs) March 2019 Mm. and I finally shaved it off. Saturday? Friday? The days bleed together. I can't remember what day it was. I think it was Friday. I think it was Friday. Now it is gone. But on the plus side, I don't get hair on my mouth anymore when I eat. (laughs) I was going to say, like, do you miss it? Not really. Not really? I feel like it was starting to annoy you, so maybe you were just glad to get rid of it? Yeah, I think so. Okay, well, that's fair. It was really long. I want to say it was probably a good halfway down to my belly button from my chin. Yeah. If not a little bit over. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. So you shaved it off... So you can wear a mask. Pretty much. I feel like I'm a bit defeated this week. Not because of my beard. (laughs) (laughs) You're what? You're you're what? (laughs) Not because of my beard, but because I keep reading the comments on Facebook and on news articles and I shouldn't do it, but I do. Always telling you don't do it. And then it gets pointed out to me how many people are idiots and then I feel sad. (laughs) How comments I've been reading lately about like, how we don't have to wear masks, that it's like, you know, taking away our rights. It's, it's a fucking mask. It ain't that deep, but whatever. Or how many people just think that coronavirus is a scam. Very confused as to... I don't get what anyone would gain out of that. Yeah, I, I think the idea is they think it's a scam so that we all have to have vaccines so they can take over control over everyone. We already have to have vaccines. So try, try a new excuse. <laughs> I just, I don't see why they think that there's an inherent enough organization out there who thinks they'll be able to muster together the ability to take control of anything. Have you ever worked with management? (laughs) Fucking hell. Fair point, but I just like, we live in a capitalist society. Everything runs off money and the fact that there's less money doesn't really benefit anyone. It doesn't really make any sense to me, but... Yeah, I, I never understood the whole, like, they're giving everyone autism, the government's doing it on purpose. I, why? What does the government gain if everyone's got autism? Yeah, no. I, I don't get it. Yeah, it, it, like, it, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, but and I think I I've guess... said it before, but autism or polio? Uh, <laughs> you, you know what? Even if there was a correlation between vaccines and autism, which there isn't, I, I would still pick autism. Yeah, same. Fuck polio. Yeah. That shit's fucked up. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, the whole thing just doesn't really make any sense to me, but it makes me so, like, kind of sad to see how many people are saying this shit at the moment. I don't know. I think it's just genuinely because I don't see this type of thing because clearly it doesn't align with what I believe. So, therefore, the internet doesn't show it to me. It's kind of hard to avoid now. I feel like I feel like we're starting this on a down note. Well, all my stories are a bit silly. So, so, so the, the podcast is going to pick us back up again. Yeah. I have one serious one which i'll do for my first story to get it out of the way okay and then the other two are pretty silly okay well sort of well well, i think i went second last week so do you want me to go first this week if you want to go ahead okay just a quick one here from the abc news okay driver arrested after allegedly speeding through south australian border checkpoints with blacked out number plates 
I read this this morning, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so on Friday evening around 7.15pm at the Udlawira checkpoint in South Australia, which I thought was going to be like a border checkpoint, but it's not. It isn't? No, it's a checkpoint in the middle of, like, you drive north-east out of Adelaide and it's maybe halfway to the state line. Okay. So I don't know what the restrictions are like in Adelaide. Maybe they're trying to keep people from entering the regional parts of the state. I don't know. But that's where it takes place. Police spot a blue Toyota sedan with blacked out number plates traveling at speed on the wrong side of the highway. What the fuck? So against traffic. Okay, this sounds like a terrible idea all round. Okay. I mean, there's not many cars on the road at the moment, but I mean, still. I guess, but still, why would you do that? So the car fails to stop at the checkpoint, and they later found it abandoned in some bushes off a dirt road. Okay. So clearly the person's like, oh, I've been spotted by the police. Right. Uh, shortly afterwards, they arrest the 30-year-old driver as he emerges from bushes near the car. What an idiot. So I don't know if he's just like, well, I'm fucked. I better just get myself over. Or if he was just not thinking right. I'm going to go with the latter. Mm-hmm. Police advised that he was a non-essential traveller. He had recently returned to South Australia from New South Wales, which is the second most infected state. Yes. And he was meant to be in quarantine at a hotel in Elizabeth Park. Which okay, is a well, suburb, this explains why he was speeding through a checkpoint which with Blackdown. Which is a suburb next to the one he actually lives in in Elizabeth Downs, and they're both just sort of like on the north side of Adelaide. Okay. I think I went through them when I was there. Uh, he also tested positive for methamphetamine. Of course. And he's been charged with failing to comply with the quarantine under the Emergency Management Act, driving at a dangerous speed, obscuring a number plate, driving unlicensed, and breaching bail. I have to wonder, because Why there was, was no high, charge for driving on the wrong side of the road? No, no, no. <laughs> I have to wonder, because he was high, could he not withstand his quarantine because he hadn't had anything? So he decided to ditch quarantine, go get some drugs, get high, and then got busted? I don't know. We've heard about, we've had stories before about people smuggling in drugs to quarantines. Mm. People fucking in quarantine. When did we ever speak about the security guard who was caught sleeping with quarantine people? Have we? (laughs) I don't know. But apparently it was Dan Andrews' fault. He definitely went down there personally and said to the security guard, look, feel free to fuck any of these people in quarantine that you feel like. Yeah. It'll be fine. He did it. He he was absolutely 100% responsible. And then he came over and he nailed a mask to my face. (laughs) Personally. (laughs) Like Jesus on the cross, he nailed a mask to my face. I just, you know, it's slightly (laughs) off topic, but... Since when does the premier of a state become personally responsible for every single person in that state's personal behavior? Since it's easier to blame him than <laughs> yeah, yourself. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, anyway, rant over. So it, that's my theory about this guy. Do you need to get some meth or speed or whatever he was on? Oh, he got some speed. He was speeding. <laughs> ha. Ha. <laughs> oh, dear. But that, yeah, that's it. That's all I got to say. Real quick one. Well, I mean, he's not the first to um, cross the border that he wasn't meant to. He didn't even cross a border, though. He just went through a checkpoint, I guess, out of the region. I don't know how they're locking down Okay, well, South he's definitely Australia. not the first person to um, challenge this uh, emergency act or whatever it's called. Are you going to talk about a Karen? <laughs> oh, have you seen the update about Karen from Brighton? Which one? The one where she was like, she thought it was pretty funny? or The one that you covered last week. Yeah, Karen from Brighton. Yeah, Karen from Brighton. So there's an update. If you guys wanted to know about it, I read about it this morning. She has her own Instagram page now, Karen from Brighton, <laughs> and she's leaning in heavy, ugh. which, you know, in a way I'm like, ugh, but then also I'm like, what else are you meant to do? Yeah. I kind of appreciate that she's not taking it to heart because I can understand that a lot of people getting that kind of backlash would get quite upset about it, but instead she's just went, fuck it, it's, I'm going to make it a joke. Yeah, because I read a few days later that she was 
laughing about it. Um, did yeah. I mention that she was? She's like the daughter of some. Yeah, she is slot rich AF. Yeah, person. So I also don't give a shit about her. But yeah, but no, she's leading in heavy. She's got her own Instagram account now, which I I think she's actually not managing. So if you want to go leave her a hate comment, she's not going to see it. Her son is managing it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just like, uh, I guess I kind of think it's funny yeah. that she's just making a big joke of it instead of getting angry. Uh, my my she'll be, if she earns money out of it, I'll be pissed off because like, she didn't need it. She might eventually, who knows? <laughs> uh, maybe In I should just, that, ma- maybe I should a mask. sell pokey machines. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, I will say she was at least wearing a, a mask in her photos. Oh, good for her. So she is going outside of her suburb, however. So I don't know. I've walked every street in Brighton. <laughs> You have damn near done every single one in our suburb too. The difference is we set- don't have a lot of money. Yeah, and I found a set route I like. <laughs> have you been out walking with a mask yet? No, I'm going to do that tomorrow morning. Okay. The only reason why I haven't been walking outside is because I just my glasses will fog up within a second. Mm. Let's move on, shall we? This is probably my only like serious story for today. I wasn't going to do anything serious today because I, I, I think I am feeling a little defeated for reasons already mentioned. No well, I do- was. I told you a story I was going to do that I'm not doing anymore. Okay. Same thing. I was like, no, I don't want to do that today. Yeah. Um. I, I was kind of hoping to do more fun stuff today. But then I read this one. I've never fucking heard of this before. And I don't know how. Hmm. I'm probably not the only one. So why not tell it? This one, I, I guess you could say it's a mass murder. Yay. I mean, it is. Can we go a podcast without someone dying? Maybe we should challenge ourselves <laughs> to do that. Because my next story is about someone dying as well. So... <laughs> uh- <laughs> Great! <laughs> Woo! So maybe, maybe we should challenge ourselves to do a podcast with no death and it can be like the episode where no one dies. That can be like the title of it. What do you think? I mean, I don't think I'll struggle. People, <laughs> don't, tend, will, people don't tend to die in my stories. Fine. They I'm, might lose I'm... arms and shit, but... <laughs> okay, I'm going to challenge myself. We're going to do one. We're going to do an episode where no one dies. It's going to happen. With the first Hold podcast in history to have an episode where no one dies. <laughs> Considering that all the popular podcasts are true crime ones, it you know, who knows how often it actually happens. Anyway, back to this one. So I think it's the biggest mass death in Queensland. I'd never heard of it. I'm going to go out on an educated guess and say this is probably related to like the slaughter of some indigenous peoples during no. colonization. No. Oh, okay. On the 23rd of June in the year 2000, the Palace Backpackers Hostel in Childers, I want to say that's how it's pronounced, I think it's Childers, sure, yeah. was set on fire with 88 people inside. Now, mm. I don't know how I didn't hear about this, because in 2000, I was definitely old enough to have heard the news or understood what was happening in the news. So I don't know how I don't remember this like at all. Have you heard about this? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, like, at nothing. the time, I would have been living in New Zealand. That's probably why I might not have heard about it. I don't, I don't understand how I would have missed this. But anyway, let's continue. The man responsible for the fire was Robert Paul Long. Robert was a drifter and at the time of the arson attack was a fruit picker. And I think from what I understood about what I read, child is like that area has a lot of backpackers because of fruit picking. Okay. However, Robert is not a backpacker. It's thought that his motive behind the attack was because he hated backpackers. So I, 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 I feel like racism may Play a part have there. played a part in this. That's weird, though. I feel like most backpackers to Australia are white anyway, usually European. or Most of the people who died in this fire were white. Okay. Well, I guess he could be racist, I think non-Australian. I have a feeling because he he was a fruit picker despite not being a backpacker. Now, like I don't know how familiar everyone else is, but usually when you immigrate to Australia on like a working visa or something, they usually make you do fruit picking. Yeah, it's a pretty common 
Maybe he felt like his way of life was being threatened by backpackers. That's what I was about to say. That I feel like he was like, oh, all the jobs up here being taken by backpackers. These foreigners took my jobs. And it was literal for a change. I actually did. However, despite all that, he'd already had a previous criminal history. As a teenager, he was convicted for stealing women's clothing off their clotheslines. And later, as an adult, he spent some time in prison for burglary and assault. His ex also claimed that he'd tried to burn down the caravan her and her children were living in in 1997. They were living in the Northern Territory at the time, and the police said didn't press any charges. Not sure what the entire story was with that, but I see I read in an article with an interview with her and she, she claimed that that's what happened. Oh my God. Childers is located between the suburbs of South and North ISIS. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, actually, I thought that was quite um, interesting that they kept mentioning ISIS in the articles I read, but that's actually the city council. ISIS Central. It's yeah. always been an inside job in Australia. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> maybe may, maybe this is where I've told you about the little random lady when they used to work at security gave me a call and she was like ISIS is already on my street I need the security maybe she lived in ISIS and she just got confused maybe anyway yeah I did think that, that was interesting that I kept reading ISIS and all these articles and then I later realized that they meant the city council <laughs> You're like, why that's very confusing the, for me. Why did that terrorist group exist 14 years before they were founded <laughs> yeah. in central Queensland? No, I think it was more I was thinking like, oh, that'd be interesting if it was like reported later because people would really be confused. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the palace backpackers hostile fire. Of the 88 people inside, 15 of them would lose their lives. Robert had previously been evicted from the hostel and two guests spotted him in the backyard earlier that evening. Now, this is weird to me, but apparently he was like, hanging out in the backyard and when these two guests came out he said to them oh go and find this guy who is apparently his former roommate saying that he wanted to like bash him <laughs> and i'm like yeah i mean hearing that you'd totally be like yeah just hold on one sec i'll go get him yeah, for you. get him you can beat him i'll help you it'll be fine uh, yeah no so they just went um no and left <laughs> <laughs> Robert came back at around 1 a.m. and started a fire in the downstairs rec room. Now, he did claim when he was in the backyard previously that he had a key still. So it kind of sounds like he didn't have to break in. Okay. To he do just this. felt like doing it. Robert waited. Well, maybe he, he was like, well, they know I've got a key, so I'll break in because then they won't suspect me because why would I break in if I've got a key? Maybe. I didn't see anything about whether he used his key to get in or whether he's broken, so I'm not entirely sure. Robert waited to make sure that the fire started properly and that it was catching a light in other places before he fled the scene. Now, to put the real kicker in this one, the hostel had been having issues with its smoke alarm system. And as a result, they had all been turned off. Oh, no. Yep. <sighs> yeah, you're not, you're not meant to do that. Yeah, no, that's, that's highly illegal. You can't just do that. Although I do question whether this, this was before it became law. I have a feeling this might have this changed might have the law. Yeah, because definitely when I worked in fire security as well, that was we could not turn off the alarms. Yeah. Really strict to Victoria. Mm. Um, in some states, it was a little bit different. We could ignore them kind of thing. Uh, and then other states like Victoria, we couldn't do anything unless the fire brigade called us directly and said, yeah, you can ignore it. Okay. Yeah, I have a feeling that this case might have been like part of the reason that we changed the laws in regards to smoke alarms. Yeah, I'm not too sure of what the legislation would have been at the time. But the fact that a hostel, which has, you know... Dozens of people living in it. Yeah, could um just turn them off is alarming. Huh. Huh. Richard Tempest, who survived that night, said it still sticks with him as his roommate was one of the ones who didn't make it. I'm going to quote him a couple of times because I have a feeling that this 
Well, I mean, as if it wouldn't. I have a feeling that this really affected him. And he said, quote, he was on the opposite bunk to me. And to be honest, that has stayed and probably always will stay with me. Knowing there were four people in the room and only three got out, I question why him. It's 1 a.m. They're fruit pickers, so they get up early. Most people would have been asleep. wonder why he didn't get out, though, especially if he's yeah. like, so close to him. I don't, know. I don't know. But I read an article that people were waking up because of screams and smashing glass and stuff. So well, we, we had a, a right um, bad time. Lane Cove had an arsonist once when we lived in the area there. And he set fire to an abandoned building near where we lived. And that's what we woke up to was the sound of breaking glass. Yeah. Because the windows get really hot and explode. Yeah. Robert was found five days after the fire, after police tracked him down. And when he was found, the dead shit decided to try and attack the police with a knife. I'm sorry. I have no sympathy for this guy. I don't care how hard on his luck he was or how poor he was. You don't just, like, kill people and then try to attack the police with a knife. So, as it is in Australia, that if you get a, a police officer gets attacked, they're allowed to open fire, which they did. And they shot him in the ear. That is impressive. I'm sure that wasn't intentional. I'm sure it wasn't, but... (laughs) So yeah, an officer shot him in the ear, at which point Robert confessed, saying, I'm dying anyway, I started the fire. <laughs> dying of what? Uh, the, the, the ear, apparently. <laughs> okay. I, I, I have a feeling that Robert wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. As the officer didn't have any paper on him, he got Robert to write his confession on a $10 note, which I just thought that was funny. That was the only thing the cop had on him, was a $10 note and a pen. Why does a cop have a notepad with <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, I know. What the hell? <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Regardless of the confession, he still tried to plead not guilty. Yeah, I did it, but I'm not guilty. Yeah. (laughs) He was convicted in 2002. He was only found guilty of murdering two of the victims. And I'm kind of- What killed the other 13? I'm still a little confused as to why they did this, but apparently- Two was all they needed for the maximum sentence, so that's all they bothered with. That doesn't make any sense to me. Why wouldn't you push for all of them? I think what might have been... So for all those other families, oh, sorry, they died in a fire. Well, I mean, obviously they know what happened, but officially he was only found guilty of two counts of murder and one count of arson. So I think what they were doing, if I understand this correctly, which I may not, basically they tried him at first on the two counts of murder, and they were kind of saving the other 13 in case that got thrown out for some reason. Okay, fair enough. And then they could go, well, look at these other ones to make sure that he went to jail. And two was all he needed for the maximum penalty. How long was that? Six Um, weeks and a fucking case of beer probably? So the maximum penalty was life in prison with a 20-year non-parole period. Which I'm like, why does he get a non-parole period at all? He's eligible for parole right now. Which is exactly why this came up in the news again. But when I was reading it, I'm like... Hostel fire. Never heard of it. So that's why I looked into it and I'm Mm. like, geez, I don't know how I had never heard of this. And even when I Googled it, so like the first thing I usually do when I find stories like this one is I'll like see if a podcast has done it because I consume the information a lot easier when someone's telling it to me than reading it. Not a single podcast episode about this. Not a single YouTube video about this. That wasn't an old news report. Well, I guess it happened in the year 2000 in a remote part of Queensland. It's kind of understandable that it didn't get further. Come on, Casey from Case File, get on it. Want to hear a Case File episode about this? You probably could find out a lot more than I did. I mean, the nearest town of anything major is Bundaberg. Yeah, which is, it's south. Uh, Bundaberg's just directly north of it. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty much halfway between the Sunshine Coast and Rockhampton or so. Probably a little bit closer to the Sunshine Coast. Mm. So yeah, his 20-year non-parole period is up this year, and he has put in an application for parole. Of course he has. So I think, as you can understand, a lot of people are really angry about this. When I say really angry, I mean really angry, obviously, because 15 people died because of this asshole. The people most mad about it, however, are the survivors of the fire, which I totally get, because they nearly died because of this fire that this asshole said. So I've got another quote from Richard Tempest, who I mentioned earlier, um, and he has this to say about his bid for parole. He said... 
15 young lives in their 20s and 30s, you know, traveling and working, just having fun and having their life experiences, and they're just taken away. How can somebody just do that? What about the other 13? You have done 20 years, life for those two, start the next sentence now for the next 13 and the attempted 70, because... 88 Mm. people were in there. So he's mad. I read some other articles where they talked to some other survivors who were equally as mad. And I can totally understand it because, yeah, nearly, like, potentially 80-something people could have died in that fire. So there is a petition on change.org to keep him in prison. Those never go anywhere. I signed it anyway because... I think it's worth it. When they do these parole things, they evaluate everything, right? I have no idea how it works. Hmm? I have no idea how parole works. That was my understanding. Anyway, they evaluate everything. And I think if there's enough public outcry, he he will get denied. Okay. So I'm going to link it anyway if you want to. I think it's worth it because I don't think that someone like him should be released. That's fair. I agree. Basing it on his history... And the fact that he didn't seem to show any remorse for those 15 people, I, I think it's pretty likely that he'll probably reoffend. Why put that out into society? You said you can find a video on it, but I've got one here by ABC News In Depth, which is 28 minutes. I said that wasn't a news report. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. How many signatures does it need? It is 25,000, and at currently it's at about 19,000. So Okay, well, that's good. And his application was only put in this week. I always feel... Am I, like, because I'm not a citizen, does it matter if I sign that petition? I'm pretty sure it's fine. Yeah. I don't think it matters. It's like when I see people saying, sign these protests, they'll sign this petition for this thing, and it's in another country. It's like, does it count if I sign it? I'm pretty sure why it Why would it matter? But why, though? Like, I'm not even in that country. Yeah, but it's sort of like you're agreeing with what they're saying. You're saying, I have this particular feeling about this particular issue. But I then feel they could just turn around and go, well, you don't even live here, so your opinion about what happens here doesn't matter. Well, fair enough, so. that's I th- valid I think it's me. more about getting as many names on a petition as possible. I suppose so. They're not going to go through and fact check that every single person who signed that is there. Besides, like, you're not giving all your details anyway so mm. but yeah i just thought that was kind of crazy that i literally never heard of that before no i hadn't heard of it either no i never knew anything about it i guess it's only come up because he's uh trying to get out you know what i bet they have in oh charles okay yeah what the antichinus the what the antichinus i don't know what that is i'm gonna send you that picture now okay it's an antichinus okay Oh, it's a little rat thing. It is kind of like a little rat thing. He's actually a marsupial. I was going to say he's a cross between a rat and a possum. Yeah, but they're more mouse-sized. They're quite small. Yeah, he looks little. He's very cute. He is. So it's a small carnivorous, carnivorous, sorry, marsupial. He's carnivorous? He is. He eats. He looks too innocent to be carnivorous. <laughs> Essentially, it looks like a little brown mouse for those playing at home. Yes. I th- look it up later. He's an interesting little creature. So they're sometimes called marsupial mice because they look like mice, but they're mm-hmm. actually marsupials. They're not related to mice at all. Well, oh, So they okay. got more in common with a kangaroo than they do a dormouse. Okay. They are endangered, and they're not very well known in urban areas, uh, which I would agree with. I've never heard of these creatures until earlier this week. The problem with them in herbal, herbal, urban areas <laughs> is our cats, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. and uh, obviously we remove the habitat they normally live in, so okay. they, do, they don't really live around cities. Where do they usually live? Pretty much the entire eastern seaboard, up a little bit past Childers, up towards Rockhampton. Okay. All the way down and through Victoria. Pretty much all of Victoria has them. Okay. All of Tasmania, a little pocket up near Darwin, and one over near Perth. Okay. Yeah, so there's 13 different kinds, and they're all active at different times of the day, and they all like to eat insects and spiders and cockroaches, so I already like them. Because they eat cockroaches. (laughs) They eat all the shit I hate. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Some will eat little flowers and fruit, and a couple have been noted to actually go for frogs and lizards. Ooh, okay. Uh, As I was saying, in more rural areas, they are better known to people, as they will often make homes inside people's kitchens, not unlike mice, or armchairs, or unused handbags, and even in old box television sets. 
Okay. They like to be in human homes, despite the fact they don't like the urban areas, because uh, insects congregate, obviously, in like, kitchens and shit, and that's what they eat. So, personally, I think I'd be okay with them being in my home, because they're cute and they're not mice, which is <laughs> weird, because they look like mice. Uh, as long as they pooped somewhere where I could easily clean it. That's my only concern about having them living in my home. I don't think I want any creatures like that living in my house. He's going to eat all the bugs and shit in your house. He can live outside. <laughs> Make a little nest for him. Yeah, he can live outside. So in the wild, they live in tree hollows or little burrows, depending on the species. As I said, they live in all kinds of regions of Australia, from including swamps and alpine areas. Okay. So quite diverse for the 13 species. Some of them even like cross over the areas they live in. And they've noticed that at these times, the smaller species will keep to the treetops and the bigger one will stay on the ground. I guess the smaller one's more aerodynamic. I don't know. I think they just don't want to compete with each other over food and stuff. Okay. So why do you think I'm telling you all this stuff about the Antichinus? Yeah, why are you telling me about this cute little dude? They fuck. I mean, most things do. Well, these fuck harder than anyone. (laughs) They fuck harder than anyone. They... Yeah. So the males will live for exactly 11 and a half months, at which time they die from a stress-induced immune system breakdown from the breeding season. Okay, so they fuck so hard they die. They fuck themselves to death. Oh god, dudes, calm down. (laughs) It ain't worth it. So females only have a three-week mating season, and they all turn on at the same time. So all these creatures just suddenly start fucking. Uh, so during this time, males will seek out and violently mate with as many females as they can find, because there's like biting and scratching involved in it. Okay. And they will last up to 14 hours at a time. Holy fuck. Literally. <laughs> um, they pretty much do nothing else during these three weeks. They barely eat or sleep. All they're doing is fucking. I mean, I know you've got to like keep your species going, but this is a little extreme. They all reproduce at the same time. And on average, 70% of the female population gives birth on the same day. Jesus Christ. So the populations (laughs) for these creatures must be wild because there's suddenly an explosion and then 11 months and a half months later they all die and then like another month after that there's another explosion in the population. Because all all, all the males die. They just just fucking die after they breed. seems inefficient. (laughs) Uh, The females do tend to live a bit longer than the males. They sometimes make it to a second mating season. Well, I guess they've got to look after all the babies. Yeah. And they tend to only mate with like one or two, apparently. Okay. Mate, well, actually, they could have a couple of partners, but they, they don't just go at it for 14 hours a day, for three weeks straight, and then die. <laughs> I, I didn't mention it in my writings, but the, it's interesting how the, the females seem to, they'll give birth to a litter with multiple fathers. Oh, yeah, that can happen in humans. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Say you have non-identical twins. Mm. You fuck one person and that person fertilizes that ovum. Then you could fuck a different person the next day because you've got a second one in there. They can fertilize the other one. Yeah. So that, that definitely makes sense. It okay. can happen in humans. They were saying like, it can happen in these little guys. It, it takes a week from the mating period before the females become impregnated. Because okay. the body's like sorting out all the, the semen. They have a, a semen sorting system. Built in, yeah. They Four also, S's. on average, give birth to 20% more babies than they have nipples. Well, that just sounds like a really bad time for them <laughs> once it comes to feeding. They just die. It's too bad. Uh, These creatures seem to not fear death. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the males, not only do they die, but from all this fucking they do, they suffer internal bleeding, gangrene, Oof. and other infections brought on by the breeding period. As I mentioned, they all drop dead at the end of the season, though there have been a handful of recorded cases of one or two surviving, but it's Could not you imagine being that one or two? You'd be a god. You'd be god. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he didn't fuck hard enough. <laughs> Maybe they'd be seen as weak. <laughs> Probably. 
It's probably what happens is they don't find enough things to breed with, so they don't fuck themselves to death. Maybe. The beta male inherits the... <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, that's the antichinus, a little creature I found out about this week in Australia. The tiny the tiny mouse that fucks itself to death. Yeah, and so I, th- I think I liked the Nat Geo article. Their headline was, Why a little mammal has so much sex that it disintegrates. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a really polite way of saying what I just said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't remember where I, because I saw it in a headline of something on the lines of like, mouse fucks itself to death. <laughs> and I was like, that's hilarious. And then I read the whole story. I was like, I've never heard of these creatures. That's going on the podcast. <laughs> there you go. More Australian animal education with Fuck Me Dead. We've learned something today. We did. We did wombats once, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, well, we talked about a wombat attacking an entire family. Oh, yeah, we did too. And we did drop bears. We've done drop bears, yeah. Actually, my next story is about an Australian animal as well. My last one is. But my next story is about something equally as Australian. Do you know what it is? I told you earlier. Uh, Harold Holt. We're going to talk about the disappearance of Harold Holt. Where did he go? Well, will he ever that's come up back? For debate. <laughs> uh, probably he won't come back because he was I in his like 40s he be, when he yeah, disappeared. I was going to say, he'd be dead by now anyway. And that was in the 60s or something? Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he did. Um, he either way, did right now, now, he's dead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He gone. He went the way of the antichinus. I just, I, I kind of, I don't know Maybe why. Maybe that's it. Maybe mermaids <laughs> took him and he fucked them so hard he died. Harold Holt was a ladies' man. There you go. Harold Holt so, fucked mermaids until he died. I mean, I would love that to be the actual story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I love talking about Harold Holt so much, but I really do. I don't know. He's just, the whole disappearance is just such a great topic. Because there's so many theories. Truly, he is it. the LMFAO of Australian politics. <laughs> Turns up for six months and just disappears. Never to be Pretty seen much. again. But the thing is, like, he turned up for six months, did all these like really great, wonderful things for our country, and then just fucked off. <laughs> Having achieved all my yeah. goals in the first six months, I saw no need for another <laughs> three and a half years in Parliament. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Goodbye. Blah, 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 blah. So, do we want to know some things about Harold Holt? before we move on to talking about his disappearance. Sure. What did he do? Do you know much about Harold Holt? Apart from the fact that he was a prime minister that disappeared? Not really. I know I've listened to a podcast or two about him that you've recommended, and you've told me a few things about how he changed us from the pounds to the dollar. That was one thing he did, yeah. Um, but otherwise, no. I know exactly how he died, because it's really you obvious. You don't know that, I though, do. because there's no proof. The proof is right there. It's whatever. It's too plain to see. <sighs> whatever. He read about the end of China's and then he <laughs> fucked a mermaid till he died. <laughs> that needs to be on a t-shirt somehow. What? That he fucked mermaids till he died. <laughs> <laughs> he slept with the fishes literally. <laughs> and then figuratively. Okay. Or even more literally. I don't know. How would that work? I, I don't know. But anyway, Harold Holt was the 17th Prime Minister of Australia. However, he was only in office from 1966 until his disappearance in 1967. So he was not prime minister for a very long time. But still longer than some. Yeah, not the shortest by a long shot. So some of the things that he did while he was prime minister, he was responsible for changing our currency from the English pound to the Australian dollar. But do you know why he did that? Because I didn't until I researched it today. No. So he decided to make that decision after the British government announced that they would be devaluing the pound by 14%. And he went, fuck that. That's not going to affect Australia. We're just going to have our own dollar. Hmm. I don't, I don't know if that would happen today. I don't see why it couldn't happen. I don't know. It just sort of seems like he cared. About the economy, which is what the current Actually, politicians care about as well. Was he Liberal or Labour? Not sure. 
<laughs> I didn't actually read anything about that. Maybe it didn't matter back then. He also made significant changes to the white Australia policy, lowering requirements for non-European entry. So basically... Kickstarted the multiculturalism. Yeah, he, he pretty much opened immigration that was not Europe to Australia. Basically, the reason why he did this is because he wanted to open it up to Asian countries. Okay. Why did he want to open up to Asian countries? I'm not sure, to be honest Sounds with you. Sounds like he was a bit economic savvy, so he probably realized, why aren't we trading with the people literally next to us? Yeah. Um, I think at the time, because Vietnam was still definitely a thing, that... Mm, it was starting. It only just started Vietnam. Had it. What, what, when was he Prime Minister? 1966. When did Vietnam start? I'm actually, for 20 years. I was going to say, I'm not sure. I don't really know that much about the Vietnam War. You're right. Because yeah, it was the 60s when it started. Yeah, sorry. It started in 55 and went to 75. So yeah, they've already yeah. been in the Vietnam War for 10 years. So he's probably like, we got to get these refugees. What? Wow. He really isn't like any politicians today. <laughs> Taking refugees and landing them into the country. I think it was quite controversial, though, because of that. Did they not know that the Vietnamese people would bring chicken balmy rolls with them? <laughs> Probably not at that point. That's some good fucking bread roll. (laughs) He was all for immigration. So that's pretty much what kickstarted how multicultural Australia is today, Hmm. which arguably has improved Australia a lot. I know not everyone's going to agree with that. I'm (laughs) talking about Pauline Hanson supporters here. One nation. We, We just don't produce enough. Like There's not enough European Australians to maintain our economy. Well, you did have that policy of um, populate or perish. I learned about that in my history classes here in Australia, mm. where a guy came out and said, y'all need to start fucking like out of China's mouses, or we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would argue that immigration has made Australia as good as it is cur- well, currently. It's kind of hard to say that currently, but you know what I mean. A lot of the changes that he made have directly still affected us today, and he was only prime minister for like a year and a half. <laughs> so it's pretty impressive, well, six I Six months, not a year and a half. Sorry? Six months, not a year and a half. It wasn't six months. Oh, okay. So he was actually longer. It was, it was a bit longer. Okay. But he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't around for very long. Mm. But the changes that he made still affect us today. I think that's pretty impressive. He also promoted Dame Annabelle Rankin to be the first woman to hold a portfolio in a federal ministry. Whatever that means. I have no cool. idea. But it sounds like he was looking out for the ladies as well. He just seems like an all-round good one. I gotta say, both North and South Vietnam had terrible flags. Their current one is much better. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> I am going to talk about Vietnam again. Don't worry. I want to go to Vietnam. Might want to put your travel plans on hold for a while. Excuse me. They handled coronavirus very well. Yeah, but we haven't. Yeah, they probably they won't <laughs> let me in right now. They're like, oh, geez, probably had more cases of coronavirus in Victoria than Vietnam had, period. Okay, I feel like we should probably move on. What happened to Harold Holt? What made him super famous? So, on the 17th of December in 1967, Harold, his alleged mistress, look, they say alleged, but yeah, okay, and a few friends decided to take a quick swim at Cheviot Beach, which is in the Mornington Peninsula. Peninsula. Whatever. In Victoria. (laughs) It's worth noting here that the beach was a private beach, and as such, there was no lifeguards, no flags. That's not far, actually. We could drive there. We could. Well, we can't because it's a private beach. Also, we'd have to leave our suburb, which is not allowed. No. Um, I, I don't think the police would take us. Why? Where, where are you going today? Oh, we're, we're just off to see where Harold Holt died. We're, we're just going to go look for Harold. <laughs> just look for Harold. He's <laughs> fucking down there, all right? Him and Har- his mermaids. <laughs> <laughs> Harold was an experienced swimmer, so maybe he'd seen the mermaids before and had been to this beach in particular many times. However, his doctor had recently recommended that he lay off physical activity, including swimming, due to a, sol- a, a, a solder. A soldier. A soldier. An eggs and soldierman incident. <gasps> a shoulder injury. <laughs> oh, okay. So put put this in your mind. 
Harold had a limped had a, had a gimped arm. <laughs> and he's going to a private beach. Yes. Despite the conditions that day, which were rough waters and visible currents, Harold didn't hesitate. Because it's a it's, didn't it's so, hesitate. It's, it's a dangerous beach. There's no lifeguards. There's no flags for you to swim between, and he's got a bad shoulder. Okay. Stop. I feel like you're trying to sway people into thinking a particular way, and I think you should let people make up their own mind. I'm just trying to let them know the truth. (laughs) Okay. So at approximately 12.15, so like around midday, Harold went under the water and didn't resurface again. His friends on the beach say that he didn't raise his arms or call out in panic. He simply just went under and never came back up. So the search began for him at 1.30pm, and by that night, more than 190 people were searching for his body. However... It was never recovered. The search had been scaling back until it was called off on the 5th of January, 1968. So, look, what I am going to say is that I think if he had simply drowned, why couldn't they find him? They were there pretty quickly. They he, knew where he was last seen. What it sounds to me is, one, the ocean is big. Two, it's very rough. Three, it's the 60s. Four, I think a rip's taken him out to sea. That's why you're never going to find the body. I don't accept any of that. Anyway... What don't you accept about a rough swell taking him out to sea and taking him under and he drowns? I, I, I He's kind probably of feel trapped like, under a rock at the beach or something. I kind of feel like that if he was in trouble, wouldn't he have called out? Probably didn't realize. It probably took him suddenly. It doesn't take you that suddenly. Can do. If it's I've been in a rip st- before. It doesn't take you that suddenly. Yeah, well, it was a special rip. Oh my God. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe he had a stroke or something and just died. I think probably the more plausible theory. I thought the Chinese took him in a submarine. No, I think the more plausible theory is that he was eaten by a shark. Mm. Whether he drowned or was bitten, I think at some point he got eaten. And that's why they didn't find him. Anyway, what I am going to do now is go over the other really fun theories as to what happened to him. The ones that aren't, oh, he drowned. Because he did. I mean, he's definitely dead by now. But <laughs> um, So, theory number one. I've got four for you. Okay. Theory number one. He faked his own death to defect to China and was collected by divers who took him to a submarine. I like this one the best. I don't know why. Did China even have the ability to build submarines in the 60s? I don't see one on. Well, I mean, they probably could have taken it. The Soviets probably gave them one. Oldest Chinese submarine. A lot of people say that this isn't viable because the area there wasn't big enough for a submarine. Submarines don't have to be fucking huge. Yeah, well, there was many subs that attacked Sydney Harbour. Yeah. See, China didn't build its own submarines until the 70s. Yeah, they're just telling you that. Well, it's the first ballistic missile submarine as well, so they could have had other kinds. But... Then again, they were also good mates with Soviet Russia at the time. The Soviets definitely had submarines, so it's possible they gave them one and could have taken them. But I don't see why. Why would he have defected to China? Why would he have done all this stuff to Australia, to the economy, all those things, and then be like, you know what? <coughs> I'm going to Ningbo. Well, <laughs> this spe- the, this theory is based on the fact that he was a Chinese spy. So the This reason- makes even less sense. Why would China send a spy to the top of the country and then improve it? And then have him leave. I don't know. But the person who claimed this was a British author named Anthony Gray, who released a book in 1983 covering it. So I'm sure that there's more details about it. I just didn't care enough to look into it. <laughs> I think the part I love most about this theory, though, is how his wife Zara claimed that it wasn't true. There's a pretty famous quote. Do you know it? Oh, my God. Okay, no. Sorry, I thought I just read the first Chinese submarine was put to sea in 1967. And I was going to go, <laughs> holy fuck. But they didn't finish building it till 1974. <laughs> so never mind, okay? That would have been I was like, perfect. hang on a second. <laughs> that would have been perfect. So uh, <laughs> Zara's response, which I love, is he doesn't even like Chinese food. 
What a bucket. I've, no, I've heard that before, actually, yeah. in another podcast. <laughs> I love it. I just, I don't know. Look, if you have the time and you're bored, look Zara up because she was one sassy lady. I don't care he's gone. He just doesn't like Chinese food. No, she really didn't care that he was gone. Look, the relationship between them two was weird. She definitely knew that he had affairs constantly. However, when she was asked about it after he disappeared, she was like, well, you know, I knew about the affairs and I did love him, but I don't think he loved me and I had a nice life. She knew what she had. And that seemed fine. I don't know. She was uh, very successful on her own as well. She was like a fashion designer. She had run a really successful business. I think he was. she was good for his image, mm. which is, I feel like, maybe why they got married. But she seemed pretty happy. With that, so I don't know. I might She's just very pause sassy. there because I can smell wood burning. And I've placed it the neighbor's fire, but I just want to check. Good news, everyone. The house is not on fire. You may continue. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on to theory number two, since apparently that one's too wild to be true. Yep. Holt faked his own death to run off with another mistress. Why now, would he need to? I guess it would be controversial to have a divorce as the Prime Minister of Australia in the 60s. It would probably oh, still definitely. be today. Um, I don't think at the time that he disappeared that it was well known that he was a massive player, basically. Mm. That he had all these side bitches. I don't think that was well known. Okay. Until people started to question whether one of the women at the beach was his mistress or not. And it kind of seemed like... It was never really confirmed that she was, but he wrote in his diary that she was like a peach that needed to be eaten. So I say he was having an affair with her, but I mean, it's never been confirmed. However, Zara was very well aware that he was fucking everyone. Did Harold Holt eat ass? Maybe. I I don't know. meant by a peach that needed to be eaten. (laughs) So this one, I think, has more legs to, you know... He was a spider. (laughs) No, but like, I feel like this one may be a little bit more believable. Okay. Purely because he did like women. And maybe he really liked this particular mistress and they ran off together. Now, this one also has some more credibility because, okay, so I'll explain the entire theory. So the theory goes that Harold actually swam around to the next bay, which isn't out of the realm of possibility because he was a good swimmer, hopped into a car driven by the mistress and slipped out of the country. He apparently went to France. Now, this has some more credibility because people claim that they have seen him in France. I also feel, though, people would have noticed the Prime Minister of Australia going to Melbourne Airport and leaving. I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Maybe he didn't go to an airport. Maybe it was a private plane. So this was based on a story from a Nine News reporter who was said he had an informant in the Australian government and that apparently Harold died in France of a heart attack sometime in the 1980s. So the government knew where he was. Yeah, I, I think they're trying to... Well, look, whether the reporter just made up the informant or not is another thing. I don't know. I would really like to believe that Harold just went and lived his best life in France. Do you like French food? No word from Zara on that one. Now I'll never be able to ask her because I assume she's gone as well. She, she did, died in the 80s, yeah. Did she found the Zara clothing brand? I know she didn't because it's Australian. But. Yeah. <laughs> that one I feel like kind of does have, like, it seems more within the realm of possibility. Okay. And I do, I do like to think about him just like fucking and eating in France. Theory number three, the CIA assassinated Holt because the US was afraid that he would pull Australian troops from Vietnam. This one, I do not believe at all. This is probably the one I'd be more inclined to believe. Now, the reason that I I, I, heard, I heard this theory and I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And I also thought since, you know, Harold was very multicultural and all that other stuff that he probably wouldn't have agreed with the war in Vietnam. Mm. But then I read he had increased our military commitment from 1,500 to 8,000 personnel in October of 1967. Yeah, okay, that doesn't make sense. So two months before he disappeared, he committed to more soldiers. Yeah, okay. So that makes zero sense to me. Yeah, that he'd then flip-flop immediately and be like, no, I'm taking them all out. 
Yeah. Yeah. No. Unless like there was something that happened that the public weren't aware of, which I guess is is possible. Maybe they wanted more soldiers or something happened in those two months and he's yeah. like, No, I am gonna pull them out now, this is getting a bit ridiculous. It and also doesn't make sense like, to me that they would assassinate him in front of people. I don't know. Happened at a beach, they saw him drown. Yeah, I guess. Also the CIA is terrible at assassinating anyway. <laughs> Especially at that time. I wish Maybe as a special one day. But if you get the chance, look up all the ways the CIA tried to assassinate. Um, oh, fuck. Who was the leader of Cuba? I'm really bad at this stuff. Fidel Castro. That's it. They tried so many ways to kill Fidel Castro, and every single one of them failed. <laughs> he had one job. And some of them were insane, like poisoning his milkshake. Who is this, Rasputin? It kind of. It just <laughs> never worked. Man, Fidel Castro, what a character. Love dairy. Well, who doesn't? Tried to turn the country into a dairy superpower, but I don't know if you've ever put a cow in the tropics. It doesn't work. <laughs> okay. Theory number four. Now, this one I had never heard before. Okay. This is wild. This is probably the most out there theory. Holt was murdered because he was opposed to American bases such as Pine Gap. Now, Pine Gap, if you don't know, is like Australia's Area 50, whatever it is. Area 51. Yeah, 51. Okay. So, I found it on a website called haroldholt.net, and it was implying that there were alien implants going on at Pine Gap, which Holt was opposed to, and that's why he was taken out. Pine Gap was already here in the 50s and 60s. Yeah, I assume so. I'm not going to go into all of the details in this one, because holy moly, there was a lot on that website, and it just came up when I typed in Harold Holt conspiracies. And he has, like, I assume it's a he, I'm sorry if it's not, he has, like, documentation and I guess what he considers to be proof of these experiments happening at Pine Gap and that Harold Holt wasn't into it. Okay. Here's the issue. Pine yeah. Gap opens in 1970. I don't know. Which I'm sure he'll just say, no, it was an operation before then. Probably was, to be honest with you. Mm. It's meant to be a secret American military base. I think the fact that we all know about it probably wasn't intended. If you're really bored one day, I highly encourage you to go look at this website because whew, it was a wild ride. <laughs> Obviously, I don't think that's true either. I don't think alien experiments are happening in Pine Gap, which they probably are now that I've said them. Guess we'll just have to have another. We'll have to have a Pine Gap raid like they did in America. Um, they did try to organize that. Oh, did they? Yeah, that was a thing. I actually had that bookmark to talk about on the podcast, but it kind of like went and nothing happened, so I didn't. I didn't use it. But we actually just did like try Area to do 51. that. <laughs> yeah, just like it is literally just like Area Fifty One, but in Australia. And the reason it's called Pine Gap is because that's where it is. It's a place called Pine Gap. Under Pine Gap, people also search for Bohemian Grove, Snake Island, <laughs> Georgia Guidestones. Maybe we should Club do- Club 33. What the <laughs> fuck is that? Looks like a restaurant. I think, um, I think I, maybe we should do a Pine Gap episode because there are a lot of like conspiracy theories that people have about what's happening there. Because, I mean, no one really knows what's happening there. For some reason, Club 33 is a set of private lounges located in three of the Magic Kingdoms, which are Walt Disney parks. And that There comes- must be a conspiracy. Walt Disney's head is being kept at Pine Gap, and they're trying to graft it onto an alien to bring him back so he can finish making no, his Nazi I would, cartoons. I would say there must be a conspiracy about Club 33, and Walt, that's why it comes up as a related search. Walt Disney was a Nazi. Probably. <laughs> Maybe. At least in, Americans tend to forget that they really, really liked the Nazis before the war happened. <laughs> they did. <laughs> they really did. And is, then, Is this like how they um, trained people in... How they effectively trained Osama Bin Laden? Yeah. 
Not quite the same. I think they were just like, yeah, Nazism sounds cool. And then the war happened and then they got involved and they're like, let's beat the Nazis. Even though it was really Russia that ultimately beat the Nazis. But people tend to forget about that because then the Cold War happened. And people are always like, it really depends who you, where where you get schooled, who you think is the big hero of World War II. (laughs) Because the British say it's them, the French say, "Oh no, we we did good shit as our underground resistance." I was did Fr- did France do anything? They had an underground resistance, so they got bowled over pretty quickly. Who who was it that said it was Italy? Right, didn't do jack shit. Oh, they chopped and changed sides, but they were sided with the Nazis. Also, they had fucking Mussolini, and the one thing people were like, at least he made the trains run on time. That's a lie. <laughs> he didn't even do that. Uh, the government before him got that set up. He just happened to benefit because it finally kicked in when he did. And even when they apparently ran on time, they weren't that accurate anyway. <laughs> so Let's get over the World War II talk. That, that, that's, that, that's the theories. Those are the main theories. There are plenty of theories about what happened to Harold Holt because, well, we didn't find his body. So there's no real proof that anything happened to him. He drowned. Look, I don't want to hear that. He went swimming in a dangerous beach with a bad arm. But, I mean, bad arm or no, he knew the area. He knew the risks. Thought he could take them anyway. There is a bit of like uh, sort of base jumpers. That doesn't mean they don't die. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like there is a bit of talk that like maybe he um, ignored the dangers of both of his injuries and the water of the day because he wanted to show off to his mistress. Check out how long I can hold my breath. It's gonna <laughs> pop up in another fifty years and be like, yeah, hundred years. Oh, she's dead. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I personally like to think about him fucking and eating in France. I hope that's what happened. Problem is, I bet he went to France and then he probably banged the first French woman he saw and just kept going and left that mistress behind. Probably. I'm not saying that Harold's a faithful man. (laughs) I mean, even his own wife doesn't say he's a faithful man, so. Oh, well. But yeah, what do you think happened to Harold? Big bird took him. Oh, that'd be excellent. One of the other theories is that he's a merman. A big magpie. Came down and took them when they weren't looking. <laughs> oh, is is this the the the, the segue into your next? Uh... This is the segue. <laughs> Gamer attacked in the face by magpie during Twitch live stream. <laughs> Should Twi- laugh. People have died from being attacked by Mag- magpies. Magpies are pretty deadly. I've written as a sub headline that should have been there. It's not even swooping season yet. It's not. It's fucking winter. I know. All these magpies are doing. So I've never heard of this guy. You might have since you used to be a streamer. I'm I'm now not even a streamer anymore. I, I'm not. Are you on your hiatus or? I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe one day I'll go back. Stream pending. <laughs> <laughs> so Australian Twitch streamer Lynchy. I couldn't find a Twitter for him, even though he's got one on his Twitch. It doesn't exist. Because the name four, does sound familiar. He's got about four thousand followers, so you know he's not too bad for himself. What's his Twitch name? Lynchy. Like just Lynchy? Yeah. L Y N C H Y. It doesn't even come up with his Twitch page. All it does is come up with, like, articles about him being attacked by a magpie. Well, he was playing Valorant on stream when a loud bang is heard off screen. And there is a video, so I can show it to you later. Okay. And he jumps in his seat, as you would, because something's just bang. Yeah. Sounds like this bird's flowed into, like, a glass sliding door or something. Oh, no. And it appears behind him on camera. Oh, standing no. Standing in his kitchen is this little magpie. Well, I say, oh, this no. is magpie-sized. Twitch, he says, what the fuck? Oi, get out of here. There's a fucking magpie in my house. <laughs> Honestly, I would have the same reaction. What What would you then do if a magpie's just flowing into your home? I would try to, like, shoo it out. Okay, well, no, he turns around and sits back down to go back to playing Valorant. Who's a fucking idiot? You get, the, you get the bird out of your house. <laughs> I'm sorry, but who leaves a wild bird in their house because they're playing Valorant? Yeah, so instead of dealing with the problem, he goes to sit back down and play fucking Valorant. Um, so at this moment, 
the magpie, which is understandably upset and confused because it's yeah. fallen into a window. It's not quite sure what's going on. Now some dude's yelling at him. Yeah. Uh, I don't quite know how it happened because the magpie's behind him. He turns around, sits back down, and then all of a sudden it looks like the magpie is just shot out of his computer screen <laughs> and into his face. I would say that, like, maybe it's walked around and he hasn't been paying attention because he's paying attention. over the top of him and come around. Yeah, maybe. But all of a sudden the magpies smacks him in the face and knocks his webcam down at the same time. <laughs> and he's laugh, like, but it's funny. He's, he was having a laugh. He's like, someone's got a screen, what, what do you call it? Uh, clip that. Clip it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he gets punched in the face by a magpie midstream. And that's where the clip ends. And that's where the story ends. I don't know. what Did he get that magpie out of the house? I don't know. He doesn't seem to be injured. I don't know if it's given him more numbers. Of course it has, because everyone's reporting on this. Yeah, I would have to. But yeah, he got attacked by a magpie while playing Valorant online. It's a funny clip. It's only 30 seconds long. I recommend you go watch it. It'll be in the links in the article. I mean, Twitch clips are 30 seconds long. Okay, but like, I don't know that. I just... Why wouldn't you get the bird out of your house? Right? <laughs> not, not sit I mean, down I and guess finish the game. I probably wouldn't be too afraid of a magpie in July, to be honest. I wouldn't be worried about being swooped or anything, but I'd definitely be shooing it out of the house. Yeah, I wouldn't leave it in there. No, I'm confused. He must live in Queensland or somewhere because he had the door open. So it must be warm. Warm? Can't relate. I guess for anyone who's not Australian, magpies attack you in spring. Yeah, during their breeding season, if you go near their nests, they'll swoop down and attack you. It's not not when you're near their nest. It's near where they feed. Oh, is that what it is? So they do. They get really aggressive. And it's weird because magpies exist in other countries, but only here. Do they swoop? Do they attack you? I used to be a postie. We had them in New Zealand, no issues. Yeah, like I used to be a postie and that was probably my most numerous Just a postman for Um, other countries. Oh yeah, a postman, yeah. Except not a man. But that was probably the most experience I had with being swooped. And I got to tell you, it ain't fucking pleasant, even with a helmet on. I've never been swooped by a magpie. They're usually what pretty good with birds? me. It's the noisy miners that get me. Oh, uh, yeah. I've been swooped like, by miners They just like to times. imitate everyone else. It's really fucking stupid. But the best thing you can do with the magpies is treat them well for the rest of the year because they're quite smart birds. They, they will are. They remember you. you. They remember faces. So if you're kind to the magpie throughout the rest of the year, yeah. they'll be fine with you come swooping season. They'll leave you alone. Uh, they, they have been scientifically proven to re- recognize faces. They're smart. And it, they, they teach those faces through the generations somehow. Don't know how. Yeah. Basically, people usually tend to just feed them because if you feed them, they'll come back to you and they're not going to attack you. That's what junior people do. But, don't I mean, don't be addicted to them. As, as a postie, I didn't get that opportunity to make friends. It was just suddenly spring and they were attacking me. <laughs> At least you had a helmet on. That's true. I was wearing sunglasses, a helmet, and like, you know, the unattractive flap behind yeah. my helmet. So there's no way they were going to get my ears, my head, or my eyes, which is where they generally go for. There was that... People one. lose eyes, like one year yeah, or something. Yeah, people have lost eyes. Um, there was one bicycle rider who died because he had an accident after a magpie swooped him. Is it a TikTok or a Vine where a magpie comes down to swoop the guy and he turns around with an air horn and blows it <laughs> in its face? There was also that, it was like a radio show or something who did a video testing out the, because um, a lot of people have different methods as to how to avoid being souped by a magpie. I think the classic one you guys have is putting the old two-liter ice cream tub on your head and running across a field. Yeah. But, like, they're testing out, like, the cable ties in your helmet because that's one that bicyclists use a lot mm. so that they can't get close enough to, to attack you. They're like those spikes that you see on buildings to stop birds nesting. Yeah. But for your helmet. But for your helmet. The other really popular one is that apparently a magpie will not swoop you if you're looking directly at it. And I do think that's true. Yes. In my experience as a postie. 
Um, so you put fake eyes. So you put fake head, eyes on the back of your helmet, which is what tigers have on their ears. It didn't work for the woman in the radio thing. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> she was screaming the entire time. Yeah, tigers' ears are designed to look like a pair of eyes staring at them. So what's yeah, hunting, yeah. What, what's hunting tigers? <laughs> we should be afraid of it, whatever it is. Bigger tigers. <laughs> Harold Holt. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, sometimes I just answer everything with a Harold Holt. Something in my house. It's Harold Holt. He's back. Mm-hmm. Why isn't there a Harold Holt horror movie where he comes that back from the dead? That would be the worst dead? thing ever. That would be so funny. <laughs> you thought he was gone. This summer. <laughs> was that the end of your story? Stay away from the beaches. Lock up your women. He's coming. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I still have oh, another story, don't I? You should have done a Harold Holt and Bolt, but it's a bit too late now. Oh, and then he drowns you. Well, no, he sends you to China. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Get in the submarine. <laughs> I don't like it. You don't even like Chinese food. <laughs> I get delivered. I mean, I've been to China, you know, that you can get foreign food there. Okay, I believe Shockingly. you. I went to a really good Brazilian restaurant in China, actually. And a really good French restaurant. There you go. Anyway, I'm off to make a Harold Holt horror movie now. So, oh, uh, God. <laughs> well, stick around for my last story. All right. It's a good one. We're going to talk about an Australian animal that we've mentioned previously. The Antichinus. Not that one. No. This story is actually about a, a musterer. Do you know what a musterer is? A what? A musterer. A musterer. A musterer. He musters things. Uh, is it a type of dog? No. Oh. No, this is a person. <laughs> oh, okay. Then, yeah, I would say it's a person who musters things. <laughs> what does that mean? Like rounds up sheep and shit. Yeah, it is. That's exactly yeah. what it is. He's obviously in a rural area. Are we talking about babe? Pig. No, we're not. So- Pig in the- I've been through the town where that was filmed. They got a giant oh potato. God. It's awful. <laughs> I don't know how we got here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway, so stories about a musterer named Mark Layla. So no, Ma- what? What? What's his name? Mark Layla. Oh, okay. I thought you said that was just his first name. I was like Mark Layla. What kind of name is Mark no. Layla? Mark first name Layla last Mark name. Mark Layla, Renaissance man. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how we got there. Okay. Mark is from Charters Towers, which is in Queensland, about an hour and a half inland from Townsville, when he ran over a seven-foot-long snake on his motorbike. Ooh. And it uh, wasn't happy about it. So it bit him. Oh, it lived? It lived. Bit well, him. A seven-foot snake would be thick. Oh, yeah. So I can understand probably how a motorbike and he's wouldn't probably on a do dirt much bike. to it. Yeah. It, it wasn't happy about this that turn of events. snake is longer than I am tall. Yeah. A big snake. Yeah. So it bit him on the leg and it went through his jeans. What's a seven foot snake? Can you imagine the size of that thing's head? The yeah. good news is it's probably a cobra, so he's not going to get poisoned. The bad news is he's definitely going to need a tetanus shot. He said that the snake was so big that he had to use all of his strength to pull it off his leg. Well, it's just a big muscle tube. Ugh. I don't think snakes can get fat. I mean, they definitely can after they eat. It just all goes That's eventually. different, though. That's not like I guess. fat. It's just got it's, the whole it's animal. It's fat, yeah. Okay, so I got a quote from him. He just seems like a real character, by the way. <laughs> um, I put my leg back down and it was still going. So I grabbed him like that and apparently he motioned to the back of his of its head and threw him. I pulled my belt off and strapped my leg and Fucking rode. hell. How, he threw it? He threw it. How strong is this dude? <laughs> I don't know. Does, what kind of snake was it? I haven't got to that yet. I'm okay, going to okay, tell okay. you soon. How, tell does you it soon. say how heavy the snake was? No, it doesn't say how heavy it was, but he threw it. And then he pulled his belt off, strapped my leg and rode the rest of the way to my other work colleagues. Well, he he's the, at work. He's at work while this is happening. He, so he did the right thing in terms of stopping venom, but it probably wasn't venomous. But still. Paramedics rushed him to the Claremont airfield 
And by this point, he was having trouble breathing and had begun dry reaching because he was bitten by a brown snake. Oh, fuck. I don't know they got that big. Apparently they do in Charter Stairs. Oh, good um, thing we mentioned those last week on the podcast, the week before. <laughs> we mentioned snakes recently. We did. We talked about it recently within the last couple of episodes. Can't remember which one exactly. That's right, because that duck and snake attacked the guy in his ute. Yeah. Yeah. This story is remarkable because he got bit by a brown snake and lived to tell the tale. Because as you remember, can kill in 15 minutes. It can. If you got bit in the leg, probably not likely to kill within 15 minutes. If you got bit closer to your heart. And he did the right thing or he's tourniqueted and then he's driven a motorbike so he wouldn't have been moving too much. No. Um, He was probably also quite calm because this was his third time being bitten by a brown snake. Fucking hell. He's probably got immunity to the bloody poison. (laughs) Well, he was having trouble breathing, so I don't think he's immune. Uh, <laughs> Probably got some immunity to it. So this is his third his third time. Third. <sighs> so <laughs> the previous time that he was bitten was in 2011, which resulted in him bleeding from his eyes, ears, and gums. No, that's scurvy. Snake gave him scurvy. <laughs> No, I think the snake was trying to kill him. Doctors weren't entirely sure that time whether he was going to make it. But he says after sleeping for four days that he came good. I'm sure the doctors were doing other shit while he was sleeping, but you know, whatever. Oh, we have brown snakes in New Guinea. (laughs) However, that time was not the worst. No? No. (laughs) The worst time was the first time he was bitten in 2005, where he was on a property and he was 20 kilometers from the nearest house and 10 k's from radio reception. Oh, fucking hell. This has to be the luckiest man alive. Yeah. No need to worry, though. Mark's recovered from his third brown snake bite, and at the time of the article, was planning to go back to work the next day. So no wonder he knew exactly what to do. He's like, oh, not fucking again. Yeah, no, like, so he he got got bit by this fucking massive mutant brown snake and went, oh, fuck, again. No, I looked it up. Apparently seven meters is about average for an adult brown snake. I didn't realize they got that big. So, Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess by the third time, you're just like, oh, this, again, okay. all right. So it is a brown snake, because in my head, I was picturing seven-foot snake. I was thinking an anaconda or something like that, <sighs> or a python. So there are only about 2.3 kilos when they're seven meters long, because they're quite a thin snake. Still long, though. Very deadly. It's strong. Yeah. So I'm less <laughs> impressed by the fact you could throw it now, because it was only two kilos. Okay, but I still. I was thinking like a diamond python or something, and they weigh like <laughs> fucking 60 kg or some shit. No, I think he was probably much more alarmed about the fact that it was probably going to die. <laughs> Again. Um, again. By, by your third time, you're like, maybe I should get another job. <sighs> I mean, I know I definitely would. I would have after the first time. Um, <laughs> What's the heaviest snake in Australia? It would be a python or something. We have a lot of pythons as well. We have a lot of pythons. Scrub python are Australia's largest snakes and grow up to eight meters long. Fucking hell. Oh, no. No, I don't like that. <laughs> it's a python, though. Scrub python. No, it'll just eat you whole. So, eight meters, so it's up to four times the size of the brown snake that just attacked him. Yeah. They can be 15 kilos. Don't worry, they're mostly in Papua New Guinea. Sweet. And the very northern tip of Australia, <laughs> in Queensland. Fucking hell. But yeah, I just thought that was an amazing story that someone had survived. Three. Three brown snake bites. So, in three separate years, he's contributed to the 20 or so people a year who get bitten by that fucking snake. Well, I mean, it was it was pretty well spread apart. First time was 2005. Second time was 2011. Third time was 2018. So, on average, about every six years, he gets bitten by a yeah. snake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. He just, like, I watched- Be it. on alert come 2025 <laughs> or something. 2024. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. He did like a video message from hospital as well that was in the article. He just seemed so blasé about it. It was I don't know. He just seemed like a character. I, I do feel like I'm your third time being bitten <laughs> by it. You so whatever. Whatever. Again, but I don't know. When you get to the point where you feel like you can't breathe, I feel like that might be a bit panic inducing. You get over it. <laughs> he did. I mean, he did, but <laughs> fucking hell. But only because he got airlifted to a hospital. <laughs> I mean, at least he didn't bleed from his eyes, you know. Again. Again. I wonder why he bled from his eyes. That's a bit weird. Hmm? I wonder why he bled so much from his eyes. That's a bit weird. I have to admit, I don't personally have first-hand experience um, with what happens to you when you're poisoned by a brown snake. A brown snake. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> yeah, please, mm. let's. Well, if you've ever been bit by a brown snake and you'd like to let us know, <laughs> you can submit your story to us or any other stories like us to cover in fact on the podcast at... Our email address of fmedeadpodcast at gmail.com. That's fmedeadpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter at fuckmedeadpod. And keep up to date on when episodes are released and any additional information at all really about the episodes we put out. Uh, all this information more can be found on our website at fuckmedeadpodcast.com. And there's a list of ways you can watch the episode, or listen to the episode rather, and you can even listen to it on the website. Wow. Shit. The future is here. <laughs> Scribe if you have the t- Subscribe. Subscribe if you have the time and uh, leave us a review. It'd be great. We actually had a new review recently. Did we? So thank you. You didn't tell me that. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, or it was a really good one. So actually, if you guys you. have any like tips on how we could market our podcast a bit better, please let us know. Yeah, I feel like we're really struggling in that department because yeah. I just... I feel weird telling people, yeah, listen same. to this thing I made. Um, and there was like someone was asking me about it the other day and I went, oh, here's the link if you really want to listen to it. Mm. <laughs> I'm just very terrible at selling myself. I, I feel a bit embarrassed for some reason. Yeah. I, I, especially as a mid-late 20s white guy who has a podcast. <laughs> like, oh, fuck. I, One of those. <laughs> yeah, it's me. I I just feel weird saying, here, here is this thing I created. I think it's good. I feel like it makes you seem up yourself. Yeah. Even though I, I don't feel like I am at all. Mm. But it still makes me feel that way when I try to say to people, here, listen to this thing. It's really good. It just feels a bit wanky. <laughs> yeah. Right, we're definitely, uh, it's <laughs> gotten a lot it. better since our early episodes, especially in the audio. Yeah, I definitely think we've made some improvements. I, I, don't I think, think we're a little terrible. better at it than the early days. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> by a long shot. And yeah, I just don't really know how to, it's not like, not like make people listen to it. It's just more like make people aware that it exists. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm very bad at it. I need some, I need some help. Maybe we should get in touch with Karen from Brighton and she can brighten up her walks around Brighton where I listen to our podcast, <laughs> but not the episode where we make fun of her. No, we, we'll just tell her not to listen to those episodes. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't listen to that episode. It's bad. Yeah, no, it wasn't very good. Just skip that one. <laughs> well, that's the episode I want people to listen to a lot because it's the one about Jill and Kennedy, but... Mm. Yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's us done for this week. I think it is. So thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next week. She'll see you somehow. Creepy. Oh, sorry. Bye. We'll, we'll speak to you. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>